Welcome to NEC Dance with Kathy Levy. In this first of three episodes, Kathy speaks to Houston Ballet Artistic Director and Choreographer Stanton Walsh about his childhood in Melbourne, Australia, and his introduction to dance and choreography. Kathy sat down with Stanton during his October 2012 visit to Canada's National Arts Centre. Well, welcome, Stanton Welch. Thank you. How great to have you back in Ottawa and at the National Arts Centre. Thank you. It's great to be back. I love it. And um, our, our listeners won't know that you're wearing this bright red Canada sweatshirt <laughs> from Roots to celebrate the occasion. So that's great. I'm glad there's not too much snow out there. No, not yet. Yeah, terrific. Well, we're happy to have the company back. It's fantastic. Thank you. Here with this full-length production of Marie, based mm-hmm. on the life of Marie Antoinette. And I have lots of questions to ask you about that, but I thought we'd just start with you telling us about you. I know for our listeners, you were born in Melbourne, Australia, and you ended up in Houston, Texas. Can you give us a little bit of your path? Um, well, I'm, I was born in Melbourne, and both my parents were dancers with the Australian Ballet. And uh, then my mother went on to become artistic director of the Australian Ballet. So the Australian Ballet is a touring company, a national touring company. So we were on the road every year for six, seven months of the year. She would just pack up the whole family and take you off? Yeah, and we had schools. We had set up in schools in Sydney and Melbourne, and then when we weren't in those cities, we would be doing it via correspondence. But we, yeah, we were, we were circus kids. And I think the whole, <laughs> the whole ballet company was like that. We had many generations of other kids that grew up with us. But mum and dad, I think, were the founding people that had children. Uh, we were sort of the pioneer children paving the way yeah, yeah. <laughs> so all those theaters were my my playground and um then mum retired from being director and we stopped uh traveling and we moved to sydney uh which is where her family is from and we lived there i was about 12 when that happened and from 12 to 16 I really had nothing to do with ballet. I hadn't learnt ballet prior to that. Was it some? I wanted to ask you about that. What do you remember about those days? Like, did you sort of think, "Wow, I want to be like this," or "Oh my gosh, can I go out and play football?" You know, uh, like I wanted to be in the arts. I wanted to write and I wanted to make plays or movies. And 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 Damien was theat. My brother was theatrical too. But we'd grown up seeing. You know, I remember Mum in hospital. I remember mum in tears. I remember bruises on their bodies. Uh, ballet wasn't this <laughs> ethereal thing that you see from the front. It was tough, savage life. And then uh, as a director too. So really for us, it was like, oh, ballet is not, not fun at all. I, I don't understand. I mean, it is for the audience. And I think from 12 to 16 when we really didn't associate with ballet other than going as an audience member we fell in love with it from that perspective. And when you you understand what the audience is experiencing, then it makes all the pain and the bruises and all of that fine. So then at 16, I went into mum and said, I, I want to start ballet. And she said, you're crazy because you're too old. And <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. And so she said, you have six months. And I was in my final year of high school at that point. So I took a break for six months and... If I was serious, then they would let me. And a break of, from high school? Well, you, going yeah, going oh. into full time ballet. Oh, so wow. I would do ballet from nine in the morning till nine at night. My parents had a ballet school together, so I couldn't leave. I couldn't play hooky. I was there, 
and and do school from home. Um, and so I did that for six months and I proved that I was serious and then I left school and went to ballet school and uh, worked with them for about a year, a year and a half, and then I won a scholarship to San Francisco Ballet School, and I went there for a year and a half. So you're now, what, like about 18? 18, Wow, so you leave Melbourne, you leave Australia at the age of 18 to go off and study. Had you ever been in San Francisco? Had you ever been in the United States? I had been to America because the company had toured, and my my America was Disneyland, of course, as a child. And... Actually, that's about it, I think. That's all I remembered was I Disneyland. Mean, that, we did go to other cities, but I, they all escaped me as yeah, a child. I mean, I remember talking with Karen Kane about leaving her home in Hamilton to go to the National Ballet School in Toronto. But, like, you're talking about, you know, yeah. days away. And at first I wanted New York. I had my heart set on New York. It was New York City Ballet, Balanchine, everything. And I went and I auditioned and I liked it. But I couldn't live there. I just knew I wasn't ready to leave Australia to New York, and that was why San Francisco became this great alternate because it was very Australian. It looked like Sydney. The, the people, the the way the city functioned. Um, so it didn't feel as, as, as foreign. Mm-hmm. And I think also San Francisco Ballet at that point was right under Helgi Tomasson's uh, beginning of his directorship. It was this incredible melting pot of talent and difference and choreography and I couldn't have picked a better place to sit and watch ballet and I did that for a year and a half and then I joined the Australian Ballet and I was with them for 11 years as a dancer and then in did you become a principal dancer uh no first soloist okay and then I left after 11 years thinking that I would my choreography I'd always been choreographing um and it had started to become nearly a full year's worth of work. And so I thought, well, this will die off. I'll <laughs> take this two years off and and choreograph and then I'll go back to dance and I'll try to dance in America because I felt like that was what I wanted to do. And then it just didn't, it hasn't, didn't die off. So ballet died off. But before the, the choreography, do you have some favorite roles that you remember from oh, that time yeah. at the Australian Ballet? I did Degriere and Manon and, and Lensky and Onyegin. I think they were my two favorite. I love Onyegin. It's one of my favorite ballets. And, and I love Lensky. I yeah. mean, I, yeah. I love the ensemble of four characters. It was the Cranko work was so uh, great to dance. I mean, National Ballet of Canada had that same experience. And the people that coached that, we had Ann Woolhams and then we had Reed. It was in Reed inti- Anderson, a, yeah. former artistic director of the National Ballet of Canada. Correct. And a very intense acting experience, and that I, I just loved. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful ballet for the men, particularly, isn't it? Ponyagin? I mean, yes, yeah. yes. And yeah. Romeo and, and, and Shrew. Yes. Yeah. I mean, all three of them, we've done them, uh, Shrew and, and Yagen in Houston. I, I felt they were really important company-building ballets. Um yeah, and you can, and you, yeah, exactly. You felt like you weren't just supporting a woman in a part of deux. You were a character, and you had emotion, and the audience were invested in you. I'm, I'm curious because you, you say that you were feel like you were always choreographing because I think that there are some people in the dance world who just are meant to dance and others who are meant to create the dance. Did you feel that there was some kind of connection between those two things all the time for you? 
Yes. I mean, for me, when I, I was originally going to acting school and doing acting classes, but I was writing the films for, you know, right. I, I didn't feel, <laughs> I think I was writing not roles for myself as the lead, but things that I wanted to be involved in. So I couldn't understand just being the paint. I needed to be the brush as well. So with ballet, it was just, it was just that. And initially it was just, to, oh, I want to do about I want to dance to that music so if no one else is going to choreograph it I will (laughs) and it became that kind of momentum Um, and it it, it was just always with me It, it, it never I never had a period where I wasn't at least experimenting did, did the company, well, this is when you were still with Australian Ballet, did they have, you know, some companies now have workshops for the dancers to choreograph. Did they have any opportunity within the company for you to do that? No. Um, it, that that came. It, it, it wasn't when I was there. I remember they tried to have a couple of workshops, neither of which worked. The way I got work was I would go to ballet schools, local ballet schools, and say, hey, I'd like to choreograph. I'll do a ballet on you for free. And I'll bring the artistic director from the Australian Ballet to watch my ballet. So then for the the schools, they were like, oh, great. We get to show our kids to the director. So I did that about four or five times. Who was the director then? Maina Gilgood. Okay. And and I also brought the head of the Australian Ballet School. So And that was Dame Margaret Scott. And they both asked me to do small gala works and then and then it escalated from there. Right. <laughs> so you're getting your chops, you're still dancing. Do you find, were you choreographing dances that you were also in? No, I didn't. I did in the school. Okay. Uh, in my parents' school, I was the one of two boys. So <laughs> we, were, we were in everything. <laughs> oh, yeah. And one was my brother. <laughs> so, you know, we were in everything. And then we joined, in the Australian Ballet, no, I never did. And once I, once I got professional dance. Dances, I, I, I'm not confident that way. I, I, I also find that very fascinating. That ability to be, I, I think it's better to be outside. Like you know, but from my perspective, anyways, watching the work because one would think that it would be very hard to direct oneself or and I think see someone else can do it better. Uh, well, that's, just, that's another you know. thing. Yeah, yeah. Is your brother still on, dancing? Uh, he just retired last year. Okay, he um, was dancing where the Australian Ballet he and was. Netherlands Dance right, Theatre. That's what I thought. Yeah. Um, and I choreographed a lot on him and mum and dad. So, I mean, I felt like I fantastic. I did the family choreography, just, <laughs> just not on myself. Uh, the first ballet I did for the Australian Ballet was on my mother. And my brother was in the ballet as well, but mum was the lead character. And, uh, and then I think nearly all the ballets I did in Australia after that, my brother was... The lead. So and she I, was still dancing then? Or no, she, no, she, she's 50. She hadn't danced in like eight, nine years. And it was a role about children and mothers uh, when they finally leave the nest, like an 18, 19-year-old and the mother letting go. So it was a senior person's role, but... Yeah, and, uh, I just can't imagine how amazing that must have been for her. I mean, really. Yeah, it's and also getting back on point and coming. Oh my back gosh, to <laughs> that's amazing! Uh, well, you must have had very persuasive powers I to, did, I to did. do that. And she was on stage. She was the only character that never left the stage. Okay, so it was an it's fantastic. Thing, yeah. So there you are. You're getting your chops as a choreographer, and you're still dancing. And then what happens? <laughs> and then uh, in well, 2000, I thought, okay, I have this like four ballets lined up, and. Uh, I'll, I'll go and do those and then see what happens. So I moved to America in 2000 and New York, moved to New York. And then I was there until I got the directorship in Houston and I was doing freelance stuff and uh, enjoying that very much. I, I liked living in New York. It's a, it's a, 
an experience I, I really enjoyed. I, it's a hard experience. I, I think I'm more of a a homebody in my my personal life. My yard, my pets, my makes me creative. And without that, I I felt uh, not running out, but it was hand to mouth. You know, I felt in New York often that I was just working to pay the rent or. You were running from somewhere to somewhere all the time. Right. There was no sort of tranquil, oh, what should I, what ballet should I make up today? Right. <laughs> um, and then the directorship of Houston uh, became available, and I'd worked in Houston, of course. I'd done three or four ballets there. And I'd always felt it was such a special company. It was very much like the old Australian ballet in my head or, or San Francisco ballet in the beginning where – it was really eclectic in the collection of artists that it had. And what was very unique about Ben, especially for a North American, well, not North America, American company, because I think National Ballet is similar to this, that storytelling was so important in their, in their structure. And that was always what I had loved. And I for our for our uh, for our listeners, um, can you say a thing about Ben? Ben, this is Ben Stevenson. Ben Stevenson mm-hmm. was the artistic director of Houston Ballet for twenty six, twenty seven years. He really put that company he, on oh, the map. He really yeah. did. And you know, from that time, he he created many, many, many full length. Where ballets. was he from originally? England. I thought so. Yeah. Yeah. And he had danced with English National Ballet, I believe. Right. And. A lot of his work, you know, in the 80s were, were the full lengths that ABT and all these uh, National Ballet of Canada, Cinderella. I mean, yeah. he, it was very prolific. Yeah. yeah, he had sort of that stature. He had a the stature of a Cranko or, exactly. or even he, a Neumeier. He was like he was, the end of that era to, yeah. in my yeah, brain. Yeah, of, of largely British or European choreographers who had danced with some of the big companies right. in Europe who ended up somehow or another in the United States or in Canada and brought those ideas and to their choreographic all town. this history of all those original Russian story works arriving in London and got to see right. all that birth of storytelling ballet. And Ben can really tell a story. And it, he has a sort of a sly sense of humour always in his... In his work. And so anyway, when the company became available, I thought it's really important that Houston Ballet remains unique from the rest of the American companies because I really feel that in a country that size with that population, the diversity of the arts is is what's so important. We don't want to all be a New York City Ballet replica. As great as I love that, but... There needs to be diversity. And Houston Ballet audience had grown up loving story. And they also loved contemporary, European contemporary, Killian, Bruce, uh, Forsyth, all these people that had not been done in other American companies. So I, I really wanted to try to make sure that that stayed true. And so I applied for the job and I, I was pretty young <laughs> and I thought, uh, it's great experience, Stanton, and blah, 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 blah. And then, you know, the next thing I know, I'm, I'm, I'm there. And it was 10 years ago. Almost 10 years ago, yeah, right? Which yeah, shocking. it's incredible, eh? <laughs> I know, it goes by in a flash. It really does. It feels like two, three years. I mean, these kids that are now principals were in the school when we arrived and we have watched them grow into people, into adults, into artists, into principals. and uh... was, was Ben, when you came in, you said you had been doing some freelance work for mm-hmm. the company, um, mostly one-act ballets or full-lengths? No, both. Yeah. Full-lengths, okay. So was he, um, 
really uh, – did he have a tradition of inviting a lot of different people in, or was it mostly his work and a few guests, or was it really kind of 50-50? Because I noticed with your rep, it's, it's, you're, it's really diverse that way. You're really – Yeah, it's, that's an interesting question. I'd want to say that it started off more diverse and became a little narrower. Okay. I think that um, it, it – and money is a little bit to play with that. Because I would say that in the early 80s when the company was like growing like crazy, Carlos Acosta, Lee Swinsing, all these great dancers, they're building Snow Maiden and Dracula, huge theatrical dressed productions. And then when that kind of fell, the money of that fell away a bit, it looked like the company narrowed itself down a bit and repeated much more of its own rep. Um, Meaning Ben's rep. Yes, yes. And I think that that, yeah, that 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 was that that's what something from an outsider can see in the work. But prior to that, I think he'd been extremely experimental. Ronnie Hine, for example, had done a couple of full-length ballets wow. there. Ronnie's Merry Widow, I think, is very popular in Canada, as it is in Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, things like that. Barry Morlin from Australia, he'd done a, a story ballet for Ben. Yeah, so there was a very eclectic, uh, international, but never New York. Interesting. It, it, no Robbins, which shocked me, and very, very little Balanchine. Um, well, again, he probably saw so I, many I companies so, doing George Balanchine work and I Jerome Robbins' so work. And, yeah. and I think he they, he really made the decision to be uh, different from that. I, I have brought a lot more Balanchine and Robbins because I feel that it makes dancers and it makes choreographers too, you know, it, to dance the concert or, or the serenade gives you such an understanding of music and movement. And I'm curious about that when you say it makes dancers and it makes choreographers. How does one become a choreographer? What does that hmm. mean? Well, for me, I think that I want to give this company and the school as many experiences in difference that I can, in, in different approach to how they make a ballet how they hear music, how they get the step from you, how they move, of course, the ballet itself. That diversity, I think, is what makes a choreographer because it's exciting to see all the the different ways. And if you're not the way that I am, that's not wrong. It's just, look, here's someone else who's completely different. We just did an all-female choreography evening. It's the second time we've done it. We had Azul Barton do a piece and Julia Adam. Good Edmonton-born Canadian, yes. Julia Adam. <laughs> also another Canadian. Now, we're going to have to talk about this love you have for our Canadians. I adore and, uh, that. Twilight Tharp. Oh, well, okay. Not Canadian, no, but no, still no. fabulous. <laughs> and it was in, the three of them could not be more different. Yes, that's true. And the company was reveling in going from one rehearsal to the next. I mean, it was that, to me, is is what the whole thing is about. And then we do do a choreographic workshop. And we've done it three times, and now that we've moved into our new building and we have our own little theatre on site... Oh, lucky you. It's it's incredible. Um, We have 14 people choreographing ballets this year of our 54 dancers, and five of them are women. And there was no solicitation. It's me turning people down because we can... That's fantastic, yeah. And the thing is, I'm not sure that they want to choreograph, but they all want to try, and that's the thing. Mm -hmm. That's fantastic. That's all for this edition of NEC Dance with Kathy Levy. 
Join us next time for part two of Kathy's conversation with Stanton Walsh. Please send us your comments and questions by email at necpodcasts at gmail.com. Don't forget, you can subscribe to NEC Podcasts at nec-cna.ca forward slash podcasts. You can also find us as a free subscription in the podcast section of the iTunes Music Store. Until next time.